Possession crucial from this. How much longer will the referee allow? Dublin lead by a point. And there's the whistle. It's over. It's over. We earned it by winning the last two matches on the road, and that's not going to be taken away from us. What I love in Hurland, I love players that will never give in. He hits it. He hits it. It's over the bar. Hello, welcome to the RTE GA podcast. Mikey Stafford here. Hope you're all doing well. We gathered some fine hurling brains and myself and Rory here today. Um, we've, we have for the first time in a long time, Michael Dignan on the podcast and Shane Dowling. How are you, lads? Good, thanks. Very Mikey. good, Mike. Good stuff. Uh, Michael, we haven't seen you in ages. I'm disappointed. I thought you might be sporting an awfully hairstyle a la Killian Martin or some more of your minor stars. The future is bright. The future is permed. In Offaly, I think that that's <laughs> yeah, the, that post match interview. That post match interview was as impressive as the performance, I, I think, Michael. Exactly, Mike. I don't have enough hair for the mullet at this stage, but um, <clears throat> um, look, a great, a great week for, for our young lads. Um, Mikey, a brilliant occasion in, in Port Leash on uh, Monday evening. Um, we decided to toss for the home and away. You know, I couldn't see any re- reasoning behind us driving to Kilkenny, either county, you know, and uh. More or less straight after we won the semi-final, I, I was on to Leinster. It was originally, the match was supposed to be played last Saturday. Um, before, uh, and we were also playing John McDonough and Kerry. So that couldn't happen either, in, in my view. We were a very small hurling base in the county. Mm. So we didn't want, you know, we, we, we couldn't have it. And uh, so we first of all looked at the match change from Saturday. And then when that was agreed, then with Leash, in fairness to Leash, they came on board straight away. And then I said, suggested tossing the coin because I couldn't see any reasoning behind as I say that and then we start to promote in our clubs to bring busloads of kids etc etc and it kind of grew momentum and Leash did the same the official attendance was 12,500 I'd say more like 17,000 um, there's a capacity of 22 maybe more I don't know where you'd fit in even another 5,000 over there um, it was electric now and it just shows you what can be done with a bit of a bit of effort and a bit of organisation um, so brilliant occasion and for us you know we've only won four Leinster minor titles ever uh and we won three of them in four years in the 80s, 87 and 9. I was on the 86 team. And a load of household names came off those three teams. You know, we won the Allerns in the 90s off those three minor teams. And then we won in 2000, Brian Carroll was captain. And then we haven't won them since. And, and you know, and it, so we don't know what it'll do for the county. It's, 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 it's been just, um, I suppose, unbelievable since the buzz around uh, the schools are coming to Munskull finals were on this week. Um, uh, Everybody wanted a hurl in their hand, and that's what it's all about. So, look, great week, Mikey. Look, it's only Kilkenny probably win them every year, every second year. Galway won five in a row, all Ireland. Like, but for us, it's after winning the 20 football last year, that gave us hope, I suppose, on that front. And now, these lads, it's only one team. But traditionally, when we have done well at underage, we've got a lot out of those teams. And hopefully, you know, there's a lot of really good players on that team. So, we're hoping for, for you know, for, for those to give everyone a boost. Yeah. And you know what as well, Mikey, if I just might say as well, I, I think I wouldn't have agreed with it at all. I always thought it was great that the, the, the minor finals were on before the, the provincial senior finals. You know, and as a young lad growing up, I, you know, if I could get to most of the final, I wanted to play, you know, in the big stadiums before the big game. But when you look at it now, I think it's actually brilliant that the minors are the 17s, you know, that they get their own big day in the sun and that there's no other distraction afterwards. They can celebrate afterwards. They can all go onto the field afterwards. So, I, I, you know, I would have said no initially, but actually I think it's a great idea. And you look at the the, um, the Tipperary and Clare 17s final as well. Uh, how That was class as well. Like So, listen, I just think it's great that they're on their own as well. Michael, I'd have to ask you, though, 
um you said those three teams in the 80s they kind of that that was the the foundations for you know your successes in, in the 90s it that's th- there's no guarantee anyway but how what do you feel about the under 17 because obviously like i heard the manager after match saying a few of these lads are doing their junior cert this year to me that seems bonkers like they changed it from under 18 so that as the leaving cert wasn't getting in the way and now <laughs> we have lads doing their junior cert which i know is not as important as the leaving cert but it screams out to me that this isn't top, you know, this, this, this is too young, basically, I suppose, as if yeah, no, I, saying it. I, I agree with you 100%, um, Mikey. I, I, think, I think for a number of reasons, I think they are very young um, and it's a lot to take on and, you know, it's a lot of pressure on them and said for the losing team, the winning team, you know, it brings different things. Um, but I think the biggest thing is the gap then, you know, from, from 17 then to 20 or 21, there's a debate about, and, the 20 or 21 doesn't really matter if you're only going to play one game a year like they've done in Leinster this year, if you're knocked out like we were like Kilkenny in our first match. So you could win a Leinster under 17 like we did the other night. They're probably too young next year for under 20. And you could lose X amount in between then. And then you could wait two years or you know, to 19, 20, to be under 20, you might get one match. You know, so, so I think all of that, that's what I'm saying. We have a split season now. To be fair to everybody, you, we'll have to see how it went, sit down and review it. My worry would be that we'd miss that review period and actually we'd be into next year and next year as things happen. That happens in the GA. But I, I certainly think the first step has to be bringing it back to under 18 because the leaving cert doesn't come into under 18 anymore. All the lads are older than that. So it'd be more the under 20 grade where your 19-year-old is, is getting caught up. And maybe that's one of the reasons that that's kind of knockout, that they're trying to get it finished, you know, or get as many teams out of it. So it's not simple to get... Every one thing I found since I've become chairman, I kind of knew it before that every decision you make has un, unforeseen circumstances, you know, and, and it's hard to get everything right. But I think then I'd agree with you 100 percent 17 to 18 is has to happen, and uh, and it keeps lads at it longer, you know, and the, and the bridge is shorter then to, to the 2021 grid. Yeah, it, it does, like Rory, and uh, we try not to complain constantly about structures and the the kind of administration here, but this this one um seems to be one that most people agree on that under 17 is is it's just a it's a little bit too young and that and as michael says that gap like in development levels is too wide it's three years and as michael says the under 20 can be a bit short and then all the under 20 managers brendan Cummins was here with us the other day he said the lad finishes under 20 he's not ready for senior intercounty except in the rare circumstances he's not physically prepared for senior intercounty harlan yeah, and there seems to be a big push now. Just to go back, like there was, there was method to the decision of those, you know, wise people back in the day who came up with eighteen, under eighteen, and under twenty-one. Like the, maybe they were onto something. I mean, there seems to be a, there seems to be a bit of a push now to kind of just go back to that. Like the, uh, the they brought a motion to the most recent Congress to try and make the under nineteen age grade, which was an experimental one, the official minor grade. If that had succeeded, you might have had some chance of establishing that as the minor grade but then you would have only had one opportunity to play inter-county underage hurling or football which i think would have been a little bit sad because look lads develop at different stages i think 18 and 21 is um in my view is is the way we should go back to michael makes a good point and uh on that and look I, I again as michael said i think it's important that this is addressed and tidied up there is i said from what i can, can gather potential for a special congress to happen again in this september this october and i think it needs to be addressed quickly just one final point 
a young lad in the minor grades again last night. We had in our club, we had um, the very first time a St. Pat's GA club in where, where I'm chair uh, at a much lower level to Michael. Um, we had a very first uh, lad captain a Dublin minor winning championship team last night. And like it is a very special thing for Clyde Burke. He came on last night and he was the official captain and they won the Leicester Championship debut kill there. And it's a fantastic thing for him. But like Clyde is only 16, you know, so like there's a lot of developing yet. And I'm sure he'll turn into a fine player over time. But I'd, I'd be in a, in a big agreement in pushing back. Rory, I just come in on that. Can I come in on that one, Rory? I watched that match. What a player. Yeah, what yeah, a player. yeah, what he's an actually, yeah, my yeah, God, I yeah. can't believe I delighted. At yeah, yeah, okay. fabulous parents, <laughs> you know, great guy, del- really delighted for him now. You know, delighted. Yeah, I'm going to top, I'm going to top that one now, and I wasn't going to bring up any of the lads, but I, I'm sitting in the kitchen here at home now. I bought this house off the Ravenhills 19 years ago when I moved to live here between Tullamore and Kilbeg. It wouldn't be traditionally have been a massive hurling house, but loved for hurling out here, but I uh, wouldn't have produced maybe any county player over the years. And Dan Raven, the captain of the minor team, did right. He wasn't even born then when I bought the house. His brother Ross is on the Offaly senior team now. My young lad Brian is. Mark Troy, Jim's son, lives up the road. Kieran Burke, the full back on the senior team, lives down the road. And and two other starters, two other Burks, different Burks, um, B-O-U-R-K's, as opposed to B-U-R-K's, started <laughs> on the under 20 team this year. So we have seven county players in a couple of hundred yards in my house. Here. Lots, of, um, lots of broken windows, Michael. Lots of broken windows, but, uh, but, but that, that Dan, Dan Ravenhill, Dan Ravenhill, maybe came to prominence. He's, he might have got a bit excited in his speech the other night, but it was great. But what, <laughs> yeah. what a player, what a talent for the field. I've, I've picked him out since he was since he was five or six years of age, and he was going to make it. Never left the hurl down. Spent all his spare time watching, as a young fella, all the way along watching old videos of all our Ireland finals from the seventies, eighties, nineties. Knows every player that ever played the game. That love of the game. I keep talking about it. But anyway, just an yeah. aside. On the, on the speech i heard it described as midlands tourettes it's 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 perfectly <laughs> understandable um right on, on to the matters of this weekend shane i i'd love to be a fly on the wall in tipperary training on monday or tuesday evening um first of all probably thought they were out of the championship before the weekend maybe they didn't but let's let's say most of us thought they were out so at least some of them had to think they were out and they also probably thought their opponents this sunday cork we're probably going to be out of the championship. So probably a hard headspace to get into at the end, back end of last week. And then it all changes. And now that this week they're going into training, not only playing a highly motivated Cork team, but also with a mathematical, not like completely nuts, you know, chance themselves of pro- uh, progressing in the All-Ireland Championship. Yeah, I don't think anyone could have foreseen it, to be honest, Mike. I certainly couldn't anyway. Like I was... I would have thought that this weekend the Cork and Tipperary would have been playing for pride, uh, you know, and the Waterford and Clare would have been playing for a position in the Munster final. Uh, so I certainly didn't see Cork overturning Waterford. I couldn't. I said, you know, after the league final, I said they come with something against Limerick. Then when they didn't come with something against Limerick, I said surely they'll come with something against uh, um, against Clare. And then I said, you know what? I can't. I can't put my faith in them anymore. You just, you know, it was hard to see. But credit. I and I love that, Mike. I love teams like especially Kieran Kings like he was under ferocious pressure like lose there the weekend his time was probably up and he made some big decisions like you know he he, he wasn't afraid to throw Tim O'Mahony up top he took off Pat Horgan good nearly when obviously that was he, he thought that that was the right thing to do and all of a sudden it's back in his hands now so and from a Tipperary perspective um yeah I think so they have to win by seven points isn't it and hope That's that they <clears throat> beat Waterford and I you know obviously we don't have the luxury of having any team news yet 
or then you have to ask the question, do we ever have the luxury of having three news anymore? <laughs> yeah. We don't even know who's going to play. But um, I, can't, I, I, I can't imagine that Brian Lone is going, going to go with a full-strength team. Uh, and you would have to think that Waterford are going to be Clare if Clare do decide to give lads game time that haven't got a run so far. But from Tipperary's perspective, they can't worry about that. Both games are on at four o'clock. They've got to get the blinkers on and they've got to try and get a win. And if they produce the performance the weekend like they did against Limerick, there's no reason why they can't win. But Rory, you'll probably know this more so than anyone else. Can you really put all your eggs into one basket with Cork this weekend? No, no, definitely not. I wouldn't. Uh, you, you just still can't trust them that they're going to deliver back-to-back. But when's the last time they have in championship? You could just say maybe last year versus... Dublin followed up, but I mean they they kind of you know I don't I don't know when they have so um, I watched the match back again last night just for out of a curiosity somebody that got kind of overlooked I thought in the initial uh, analysis um, was Damien Cahillan and like he gets a lot of criticism because look I think what ended up happening and even in the aftermath of the game he got a bit of criticism as well because. What he he can be a little profligate in possession at times, and he had three balls in particular where he you know it was a wayward pass, but I I actually felt he offered a good physical presence in and around that middle eight and in that war zone, and he loves the old rough and tumble, and he's one of the he's a big boy, Damien, like, and I think he actually like I mean he totally snuffed out uh, Bennett and. I think he will definitely start the next day. I think he's got he 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 deserve like. He will give he gives Cork an, that extra little bit of oomph in and around an area where they think where I think they have been uh, a little bit weak over the first few weeks, but um, in terms of trusting them, look you just couldn't and I think it's a very dangerous game because Tipperary, okay you might say they have some there is something at stake but there's nothing to lose, they've got absolutely nothing to lose and that makes it extremely dangerous from a Cork perspective. Yeah. Um... <clears throat> I haven't a clue really that's what, <clears throat> what's going to happen because this Munster Championship has been full of surprises. Um, I've I've been talking up Clare for the last couple of weeks as the team of the championship for me, even before last weekend. I'd be hugely impressed by them. I've been writing about them every week. Um, you know, I know Lohan, I know him very, very well uh, from uh, <laughs> from some fairly hairy uh, encounters back in the 90s uh, throughout. Thing. And he, he comes probably made up me. on a few all-star trips, did you, Michael? Uh, no, he'd have a lot. I'd only have one also. He has a good few. I, I was only on one trip, but yeah, I did meet him in that. And we weren't the best of friends at that stage. That was in <laughs> 1999 or whatever. At that time, we used to carry all this stuff off the field as well. You know, it was it's different now, I think, Shane. Lads know each other from college and everything else. But that time, it was, it was like we wouldn't even speak to the other players after the match. When the players' lounge started upstairs in Core Park sometime in the mid 90s, you used to get two little tickets for a pint or a bottle or two at that time. Um, after the match, but we'd all stick together and the Kenny lads or the Clare lads or whoever the Galway lads, we wouldn't even chat to each other. But that's another day's work. But I, I, I've got, I, I, I've great time for Brian Owen. Like he comes across as a little bit dour, not he's actually very, or he probably is, but he's very witty as well. And um, but his passion for the game and his love for it. And uh, Clare haven't won a Munster Championship since '98, you know, which is, um, which, which is, you know, the one day I learned obviously in '13, they haven't won a Munster. And you know, I, I see shades of Lucknam with him, but winning a monster would be huge for them. But look, I'm, I'm jumping on away from this weekend. But um, like, the, the, the one thing I feel about about Cork, looking at the two matches last week, the Cork Waterford match to me, I only watched it on the telly uh, before I was doing the Clare Limerick match. Um, I thought it was like a challenge match. 
I'm sorry now, but uh, you know, people were telling me there was great intensity, there was a great crowd, there was passion. I thought it was very loose. I thought every time a lad got the ball, there was 20 yards, there was a heap load of short passing, there was four or five passes at one stage, and Cork I was knocked out over the sideline. You know, now Cork did pick up the performance, but it was it was unbelievable how bad Waterford were, in my yeah. opinion. They just didn't perform. And that's why um Mikey, to take your point, Tip have to win by seven points. That's not outside the bounds of possibility. Like if Tip had a good first half against Waterford, they're a good first half against Limerick. Um, but you know, it depends where their headspace is. And I think it, when you when you look at all the permutations, as Shane said, Will Clare put out a full team, you know, Waterford, where are they after last week? Mm. How are Tip's heads? It's really in Cork's hands. Like yeah. if Cork Cork know if they go out, produce a big performance, they win, they're true. Like really to me, they have all the momentum and it's all about Cork. I I, I, I just don't think the other three teams don't really come into the reckoning if Cork can just produce that other performance and there is no guarantee and that's why it throws it all up in the air. Yeah. Um, Shane, the, the temptation for Karen Kingston is probably to stick with the same 15 as much to stick with the same bench because we, as we were saying here on, on Monday, like uh, Kingston, uh, his son Shane and Tim and he kind of, they turned the game a little bit, but I'd say there's a fair amount of debate down in Cork because they do like to have an old debate um, about whether Patrick Horgan is a starter here or not. In fairness to Rory, he's been saying for quite a while that he probably sees Patrick, he's kind of didn't see Patrick Horgan finishing the championship as a starter, perhaps. Um, he, from open play, he was a bit off colour the last day and he even missed a couple of frees, which is kind of, <laughs> it's kind of his calling card, is kind of his backup if if the stuff from, from open play isn't working. So there probably is a bit of a debate around Patrick Horgan's starting position this week, do you think? Yeah, I, I can only give us, obviously my opinion, Mikey, is that for this weekend, I would change absolutely nothing. Mm. I would just go what well <clears throat> I go what worked last weekend. I know like I'm I'm I think Shane Kingston is a very, very good hurler and he'd be starting on my team every day of the week. But I wouldn't go changing things now. You know, it's it's only a week of a difference. Mm. There's no need to make you know any drama. There's no need to bring things, you know, there's no need to bring any more obstacles in the way or whatever or make it any more complicated. You know, Patrick Horgan is a very, very good hurler. Whether he should start or whether she he should come on should be a conversation for down the road. And it was kind of I suppose even my own experience, uh, going back to 2018 after we beat Cork in the semi-final and going up into the All Ireland final, I think there was a, was it a three-week gap or whatever it was, and you know you you, you don't um, tie yourself into a bubble or whatever. Like so, you have people saying, "Oh God, you'll be starting the next day, no, oh, coming into the final and whatever." And that's what you have to deal with. And my own mindset was, if I do start the next day, it'd be a poor decision out of John. There's no need to change something that's working. So I think for Cork this weekend. If it was me, I'd go at what worked the previous weekend. And then if you get into the All-Ireland series, you can look at maybe changing something going forward. I don't know what the lads think, but I certainly wouldn't be changing anything. Yeah. What do you think, no, Michael? I'd, I, um, I'd start Patrick Harvey. Um, He had an off day. Um, but I also think the type of, of sub... Like, there's no guarantee of Patrick Harvey making a massive impact off the bench. You're bringing in like Shane mm. Kingston, who I would agree with Shane. I think he's a fantastic hurler. It's just complicated by being Kieran's son, but you know, if he doesn't play well when he started, it brings added pressure and all that type of thing. But the pace of him, the, what he brings, like in, in, in 10 minutes, he can score one three. You know, that's the type of player that he is. Um, so I, 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 I would agree with Shane. I think, you know, you don't need to be bringing more pressure on the team by having a big debate about Patrick Harvin this week, like one of Cork's greatest ever players. Start him again and bring in Shane Kingston. 
Yeah, I imagine Rory that Kieran Kingston probably is fairly sure of his team and he will be blocking out what, what I'm sure is going on on every street corner and outside every GA club gate. You know, there's, if it's not Mark, if it's not Mark Coleman's position, it's Patrick Horgan's status. Like you, yeah. you have to have a bit of a drama even when things are going well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, look, it's uh, it, it, it can be... Uh, it, when things are going well, sure, like it's the greatest bandwagon in the world. And when things are going badly, you know, it can be quite a, it can be quite a harsh environment. The same in any country, I suppose. But I, like for me, I would probably leave one to one to twelve as is. I'd probably drop Shane Barrett, believe it or not. I wouldn't actually drop Patrick Horgan this week, and I would start Tim O'Mahony, and I'd play Tim O'Mahony inside in the full forward line with Patrick Horgan one side, and Alan Connolly on the other. Um, I think Shane Barrett has his form has not been good and he's been taken off pretty much in every game so far, if I'm not mistaken. And I um, I don't know, was he taken off even before halftime the last day against Waterford? So look, uh that's but uh, I, I think other than that, i uh, I think it would be a bad move not to start Tim O'Mahony full forward because I think what Tim O'Mahony does give you like Cork are predictable. I mean, like if you look at the way other teams set up against them, block up the middle, wait for them to try and run the ball and with their tippy tappy stuff, just wait for them and pound them into, into submission once Wednesday once they come. Now, if you play a fella that's six foot six in full forward that does have a good paw, but is also a good hurler, then you have the option to go along and run the ball, which basically gives your opponent the dilemma. Well, do we stick? Do we sit back, protect the full back line? Or do we go out and engage? And I think that little extra string to their bow could make a big difference just in terms of making tip think twice about what they're trying to prepare for come Sunday. Or Rory, do you think think that, you know, Cork have done the running game now for the last number of years under Kieran Kingston because they've now got Tim O'Mahony up full forward? You really think they're going to change their game plan just because they have a six foot six man at the edge of the square? I, I think though, I, I don't think that you you abandon it completely, but you would say to let's say, and I mentioned him earlier on, Damien Cahalan, who shouldn't be trying these small 20-yard little nicky nacky passes. I'd be saying to Damien, when you get it, leave Mark. If Mark Holman wants to do his little tippy tappy stuff, and if he wants to do his little intricate hand pass here and all of that, leave Mark do it. But when you get it, Damien, you're lamping it. <laughs> Have it. <Yeah. laughs> Rory, it's, it's, not, it's not five past four on Sunday yet, though. <laughs> Leave it in on the end of the square, will you? <laughs> I, was, I was waiting for you to put your helmet there. <laughs> uh, I could just picture him like blocking the sun from yeah. his eyes with his program as yeah. he's sitting there screaming at him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, Sorry. sure. It's all, I you're a man of the Terrace Rory, you're a man of the terrace. I miss um, it. I miss the terrace. Rory, can I can I just say, Rory? Uh, can I just say, like the, the pressure on Cork? But what, what, what I suppose Cork is a huge, and you know this story better than anybody. Like football is huge in Cork, but really hurling is 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 what it's all about traditionally. And Cork were in a bad place. They did huge work at underage level. They really got their act together. They won, as you know, numerous titles there in the last last number of years playing some fantastic hurling and then this has happened this stall is there and I think that's what's really frustrating yeah. people and and to take Shane's point like the, the type of hurling that they play like you know and I've said it week after week after week mix it up like what you're saying there's nothing wrong with going short with the players no. they have but short short long and look at Limerick at the way they play it and they mm. have the out up to Galan and he yeah. wasn't there he was badly missed last week it shows you it's down what you were saying so it does give them that option 
if Tim O'Man is in there. But whether they can, whether they can do that or not is the is the key. And yeah. even if you watch Clare, their, their run run, they have the likes of Dermot Ryan and and McInerney overlapping, you know, making these good uh, good wrenching runs up the field and down the field. There's different ways of playing the game, which we all have said. But Cork have got very predictable in terms of how they play, and they got the win last week. I suppose. Um, you know, but I, I thought it was a little bit more traditional stuff like the cuts of Harnady and the heart and the high feet, the stuff that he brings. It was more about that that won them the game, I think, more than their style of play. Um, so be interesting to see. Okay, well, look, um, we haven't mentioned Tip too much, but we have we have discussed Tip up and down here, and they weren't playing last week, so we'll just we'll get we'll get some predictions here. Shane Tipperary did get a a a moral seven point defeat victory against Hurlat the last day, and they 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 surprised a lot of people. Um. So I guess they've got something to build on. Slightly strange build up, but you know, they if nothing else, they'd absolutely love to rain on Cork's parade. Yeah, you'd imagine they would anyway. And you know, that was again the one thing that impressed me about Tipperary. I thought that they didn't have any chance against Limerick, being honest about it. Um so but if they can but they showed something, and that's kind of about Cork last weekend as well, is I think what disappoints people in every county, it's not so much teams losing, we'll all get over teams losing, but it's kind of how they lose. Uh, and I think how Tipperary lost against, you know, Clare was, was disappointing and Cork similar or whatever. But um, I think when, when Tipperary showed something the weekend, people were nearly were proud of their team. And I just think this weekend for Tipperary, if they can bring what they brought against Limerick, and after that, people can't ask anymore because people understand that they have a lot of young lads playing. There's no manager and all that. People get that. So once they just show that bit of passion and heart and determination that you'd expect from every team, people will, 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 will be happy after that. Do I see them beating Cork? It's hard to see it, but would I be shocked? No, I wouldn't. Okay, so you're going for a Cork win. Right. Yeah, Michael? I can't really add a lot to that. I, I, I think Shane has summed it up really well there. <clears throat> I think what the Tipperary players and management need is their supporters to come out and support them. I think that's um, a very good point. Very yeah. good point. Like they have, they have, they've been practically abandoned by their supporters this year um, in terms, and, and, uh, and you know, one of the most impressive, not for the first time, but one of the most impressive um, visions or memories of a championship for me so far was Noel McGrath the last day after the match. And Noel is, you know, a player that I admire so much on and off the field. But you know the way he, he was so defiant after the game, and he was, you know, he was saying, "Look, we we're still we're still in this, and we're great players." And Colin Bonner was more, um, he was almost defeatist after the game. You know, the manager maybe maybe that was just natural after uh, you know t- looking at the permutations, he thought we're gone, but Noel McGrath wasn't, and. And uh, so, like, if, if Cork are, out, are off colour, like, there, there is no doubt there's still a lot of talent. And was it, you already made the point, there is no pressure on them, or Shane, you made it, because like, the likes of Mark Keogh and Jake Morris, these lads, have been very dangerous. Like, Mark Keogh and Peter, but, you know, he could have had a couple of goals against in, in the championship so far that were good saves in matches, different things. They could open up. They are dangerous. Um, so it's not a foregone conclusion. But, but I just, like, you know, it, it really is in Cork's hands, and that is a great position for the game because we... We can't predict how the Clare Waterford game is going to go um, with personnel and everything else. And you expect Waterford, maybe just because Clare won't put out a full team, but maybe they will. Maybe mm. no one will say we're going driving on here. We don't know about that. But, so as things stand, you have to say, you know, Cork have to find a way to win this game because it's in their hands. But uh, we've had surprises before and, and we could have yeah. we could have the cat among the pigeons again on Sunday evening. Rory, give us the, it, the rebel voice Cork, of it, doom it, there. It, it, well, 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 look, if, if Cork... <laughs> if, um, if Cork let this one slip after the situation they found themselves in ahead of the Waterford game, if they let this slip, they have no business being in the championship and they're better off out of it. 
There you go. I, I was expecting something on those lines. Um, we we won't spend too long uh, looking into the Clare Waterford game because, as you said, without without Clare team news, it's very difficult and it's hard to know which way Lowen will go. But it's it's worth having a word on on Waterford, really, Shane. After the the dust has settled on, it was a very odd performance last week against Cork, and that's not taken away from how well Cork played. But what, like as Michael says, there was there was a certain lack of fire and brimstone to the Waterford performance, and I they they just didn't. They didn't seem to fire. Um, the league champions, um, with the probably the deepest squad in the country, haven't become a bad team, and Liam Cahill hasn't become a bad manager. So are we chalking this down to a really bad day. The officer is there. Just something since the league final, they just they just haven't seemed to be the same team. And you can say that about a few teams from the league, I guess. Yeah, so that was I was going to come to that, but just one quick thing on Clare. Um, like I think whatever team Clare put out the weekend, I'd never like talk of this. You know, people saying all oh, Clare put out a dummy team or Clare put out a weekend team. I think that's a lot of nonsense. I think Clare well within their rights this weekend to give lads game time that haven't had the opportunity to get game time. Yeah, they earned it. Qualified in the Munster final, so I'd just like to make that point. Mm. On Waterford, listen, I have been one of the most mo- one of the most people. Like Michael said, he's talked up Clare. I've talked up Waterford. Uh, I, I think just think they're. I think, and I do think they're very, very good. And even if they don't get out of Munster, I'd still say they're very, very good, yeah. and still probably the second best team in the country. But they just didn't show it. And I know that might might make sense, but um, listen, they, you know, their league, la- their 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 number of performances in the last couple of years under Liam Cal have been really, really good and really consistent. You know, their league was 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 very good, and yes, yeah, since then they were somewhat poor against Tipperary, if you want to call it. But early on against Limerick, for the first 15 or 20 minutes against Limerick, um, Mikey, they were actually very, very good and they were better mm. than Limerick. In the last 10 minutes or so, the first half, Limerick came into it. They pushed on in the second half before Waterford clawed it back. But the last day, like the one thing Michael said there was, you know, that the intensity was down uh, a lot of space. That's now what you associate with this Waterford team. Like they are, and I've said mm. it, they are as close to Limerick in terms of what they do, in terms of their game plan, their work rate, their intensity that I've seen, but they just didn't show that the last day. And I do believe that Walsh Park doesn't suit them, but that's from a hurling perspective. But because of how hard they work and because of the swarming that they do, if anything, Walsh Park should, 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 you know, they should benefit more because if it is a smaller pitch, then it's easier to do them things. Um, but yeah, they were definitely off colour. Can't put my finger on it. I'd say Liam Cal is absolutely devastated because he certainly didn't foresee that coming, I'd say. Um, and I don't know, but it's it'd be it comes back to the league, Mikey, right? What is a good year for a team? And I said, if Waterford win a league but don't get out of Munster, is that a good year? And the answer is no. You know, and you look at Wexford who are very good in the league, you look at Dublin who are very good in the league, all the teams that were performing well in the league are now the teams that might make it out of their province. And Cork were flying in the league. Okay, they might make it out, Rory. But there's oh, you know but, you're, but it's it's Indiana Jones type making it out like it's like it's literally you know, from a Cork perspective, like it's literally tumbling under the doors, it's just about to shut. So, like they, 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 they their league farm has been a bit of a, a bit of a spoof as well. But the, the question mark, lads, about Waterford to me, um, I, I take your point on the league, but like it just shows you, I suppose the way things are gone. You know, we were picking all Ireland champions in February. You know what I mean? It's, it's just the way life is now. I suppose that we don't look at these things forward, maybe fast forward a little bit. But we're, obviously. There was teams getting ready and training differently and all that type of thing. But on Waterford, one thing that has concerned me about them, even when they're going really well, is their decision-making pressure is not good. And they take the wrong option. And, you know, even like the likes of Ozzy going back 130 yards to take a free or taking a line ball from 90 yards and hitting it wide. and These type of things that shouldn't be happening, you know, that that continually happen. And, you know, when, they, when 
grand when things are going well. You see, watching them, there's an overlap there. The ball should be given. It's not. The man takes the shot, goes over the bar, maybe, but still the wrong option. And that's that. And then when the pressure comes on, there was pressure on the last day to win. It didn't happen. There was pressure on, um, you know, a couple of times over the last few years, real pressure on, and they don't respond well to it. And that's something maybe psychological. Um, Liam Cahill put them under a fair bit of pressure last week. He said it was the biggest game in his time in Waterford, in his tenure. And they didn't respond to that. And I thought that was very clever management. I said, he's really putting them under the spotlight. He's not worrying about what Cork being, what happens anywhere else, what anybody else does in any other match. We win this match. Um, we're, we're going through out of Munster and it didn't work. So that has to be worrying. And you don't know how, they are, how, how they're going to be on Sunday now mentally either. So like, as I said, that match can go either way, um, really, because the Clare lads, a chance that get if they do get a chance, they're they're all very good players. I saw a number of them in the league a couple of times. Some of those lads that aren't making the team, and they're going to get a, a chance now to lay down the marker. And so they won't be soft touch by any means. And it depends on what they are mentally. So look, the, the bottom line, I said it at the very start. Here, I have having a clue how it's going to pan out, um, really, and and that's the great thing about her. Yeah. I would have I would have one small bit of sympathy for them though as well, Mikey. Just uh, very briefly on that, in that they've only lost like like they won the league. They've lost two matches. The first game they lost to is the best team in the country by probably a bit of a distance, which is and and that was in their own backyard. And then they lose to a team that was in the All Ireland final last year. You know, I I like there's a lot of hand-wringing and a lot of, oh my God, Waterford hurling. Like, they, you know, I think mm. there's a bit of context that required around this as well in that, and it's a terrible cliche, but they haven't just become a bad team. Exactly, you know, I yeah. think, I think they had, it, Michael is absolutely 100% correct. They didn't play well against Cork. I actually thought even defeat against Limerick, they played well at times. I didn't think they played well at all the last day. And pressure is something that maybe gets to them, but look, it gets to everybody, it gets to all of us, mm. you know? So, um, yeah. but I do think there's, you know, the people need to just cool the jets on writing their epitaph just yet. Yeah. Okay. Well, look, we'll have to push on because we still, we still have the clusterfuck that is the Leinster Championship to discuss here. So. <laughs> um, so as things sank all the way into the All-Ireland Series, that's clear. They have seven points. They cannot, they cannot be not, they cannot not get out of Leinster, but they cannot, they can miss out on a Leinster final. Uh, Kilkenny have six points and Dublin have six points. Dublin, uh, Wexford need to beat Kilkenny. They're on four points and they'll go through. And if Dublin beat Galway, in, then Kilkenny are astonishingly out of the championship, which is um, just the kind of ridiculous stuff I'm clinging to. I don't see it happening, but the Leinster Championship, as we know, back in 2019, it threw up a, a, like a phenomenal last day. And Shane, the basis of that phenomenal last day was Dublin beating Galway. And they backed it up two years ago again, or last year, uh, last, year. By, last year by beating them in Crow Park. So they've won their last two championship meetings against Galway, which is seems a little peculiar. And they've actually got a really good record. I think they've, they, they've, in championship hurling over the course of their of the history of the history of the championship, Dublin have a pretty good lead over Galway. <laughs> like they're a bit of a bogey team for them historically, but also in the present, especially under Maddie Kenny. Yeah, but for me, Mikey, I, I actually like I don't actually think there's a huge amount of analysis in terms of Leinster Championship this weekend because I don't particularly care about what Dublin did last year or the year before in the history of the GA. I look at them now and see how they're performing now. And in, in the league so far, they've been quite poor. And they were very, very, very poor against Kilkenny. Like, you know, they know that themselves. 
So can you actually see Dublin going up against Galway and beating Galway right now from what we're looking at? Well, the answer is no, right? And then you look at Wexford and Kilkenny and in normal circumstances, in circumstances, could you see Wexford overturning Kilkenny based on the last couple of years and everything else? You could. But then when you look at their form, they, 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 they scraped the draw against Galway, they lost at home against Dublin and they drew against Westmead. So like, can, can Wexford actually turn all that around for one day and beat Kilkenny in their own backyard? It would that very, very hard to see also. So going on form and everything that we've seen, it's hard to see any surprises in Leinster this weekend. I'm not saying it won't happen, but it'll, it'll definitely be something that's come out of the blue because both Wexford and Dublin have been poor in the last couple of games, uh, whereas Galway and Kilkenny have been quite impressive. Yeah, well, that this was that that's the definition of a surprise. It will be a surprise if it happens. But Michael, uh, like it, it's it's almost impossible to imagine either of these two teams, Dublin or Wexford, going up against the beaten monster monster champions as well. Which is probably if they get through one of the two Joe McDonough finalists, because they have been astonishingly poor. They haven't been good, um, but. Uh... I'd be used to this being a Leinster man and Leinster <laughs> forgotten, about, forgotten about again in the context of the All-Ireland Championship and there's nobody only, only the Munster teams been talked about uh, I heard Dalo uh, who uh, was with, had, had a Limerick Waterford final mapped out for London now he's gone Limerick Clare the two best teams in the country he's abandoned, abandoned Waterford last week um, they're gone but um, look I suppose the Leinster Championship in the six teams and it's thrown up these sort of, you know, maybe some of these landslide games that we've had. Um, and it hasn't captured the imagination, obviously, the way that the Munster Championship has, you know, and I think the... Would you go like back to five teams, Michael? You know, Rory, it's probably for another day. Okay, okay. It's a tricky... It's a tri- I know, and I'll answer briefly, but it's a tricky one because, like, if you take ourselves even enough, you're trying to get back into Liam McCarthy. You're mm-hmm. trying to get back and... You know there's a massive gap from where you are in the you know whether it comes from Chris Ring to John McDonough back up. But yet if you don't get back up and try to play those matches and see where you are, and you saw Westmead getting the draw against Wexford, okay, you can put it down to whatever. But Westmead had a great first half against Kilkenny as well. It so it, it's it's a it's a difficult one, but it does from a neutral point of view, if you like, it does take from the from the match. Competitive edge. Yeah. yeah, because you see like Leash getting hammered last week, you know, Westmead took some big hiding along the way. Um you know, so it, it is a difficult one, but 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 those counties are working hard to promote the game and trying to, trying to and they want to be up there. But but from the point of view of uh, you know of of the of the overall context of the championship, I suppose we haven't seen that much of the top teams, and they haven't been great. They haven't been this, but that can work to their advantage as the championship goes on because they haven't really like Galway, Kilkenny haven't had to put in the same effort. Like your point about the league, Shane, where teams were going really well, they're probably training really hard. These guys can time the run, you know, and that was one of the things that was said about the Kenny, the great Kenny team that, you know, they could really cruise through Leinster and then pick it up, you know, and uh, uh, so it's a new look enough to Kenny team. I, Galway have made a few changes this year. Um, and one of the, and, and you, Shane, I think you might have been there the evening that the Galway, Galway and Limerick played in the league. Now, I know it was only a league match and I know it was back and, and taken into account what was said about the league. But I felt that evening that Limerick really, really were up for the game and they wanted to win that league match. You know, the league, they knew they were all going to beat off in the league match, last league match and stay up. But I felt that evening there was a ferocious atmosphere at Will, there was a drive in that game. And Galway played brilliant hurling that evening. Um, uh, and particularly the way they closed out the game. And the big change I saw in them, and, and I'd say Henry brought it to bear very quickly, was their teamwork up front. The individualism was gone. And 
you know, it was looking for the best one. Now they had, they've been a bit up and down since. They haven't maybe produced performance like that. But I think Galway are very dangerous this year. Um, Henry Sheffield yeah. doesn't do losing. And like, like Brian Lohan doesn't do losing. Like John Kyle, like Limerick have set the bar. But I think Galway have size, they've pace, they've strength. Um, and, and there's nobody talking about them, Michael. That's a very no, good point not. you're making that because the Leinster Championship is almost hidden to a certain extent. Like there isn't a huge amount of focus on it on a week by week basis. And um, even the games that are being played, for instance, end up going on to Sky, which look, let's be honest, as we all know, has a much smaller audience. So there's not as much, not as much exposure. And You're a fan of Sky, Michael, aren't you? <laughs> we won't go there. We won't go there. Will, will you leave me alone with you. Yeah. But, but, uh... <laughs> I share him, but you're sharp this morning. <laughs> he was up early. But, uh... He hasn't figured he out how to get out of the basement, but. He might have owed me that one. So. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, the, yeah, so, like, there hasn't been as much focus. And I think, yeah, uh, now, can you. Can you be Galway and can you be a dark horse? I'm not. I'm not too sure, given the fact. Look, they're a very recent All Ireland champion, but Jenny, like they are, there's very little talk about them. They're very going about their business very quietly over there, and um, and as we know, they have um, a winner, the winnerest of all winners in charge. Yeah, and I suppose just to fit, and just to bring Kilkenny into it, then they have the winner. They have the winnerest of all winners. <laughs> Find your yeah, yeah, yeah. new uh, phrase there, Rory. Yeah. I, th- I think the made up word is winningest, by the way. Not winnerest. But we shouldn't use either. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Um, yeah. But, but they have. So, and one thing about. And, 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 and this, we all know this, and I'm safe to be honest. When you come to a knockout championship game, and look, presuming that Kilkenny, I, I agree, look, it's, it's amazing that they're not. Like anything can happen again. You know what I mean? And Galway are true, a bit like that. Will that give Dublin a chance but they haven't been playing well enough to think they could turn over Galway in my view like Shane um, but presuming that Kilkenny come true um, Kilkenny in a knockout championship game generally are very very hard to beat no matter who they're playing no matter who the team is and you know they can uh, they can spring a surprise and uh, they've they've made changes on the team and and they've brought in a lot of new players that we don't know a huge amount about uh, Roy to to take your point because yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't seen them on the PB and I haven't yeah. seen them at matches. I've been doing nearly all the monster matches. So there's a bit of an unknown there, um, you know, um, right across the board over the weekend here. But I'd be very surprised if it's not Galway and Kilkenny and uh, going through. I can't see either of them being beaten at the weekend. Oh, so that means Dublin, <laughs> Dublin stumble into the All-Ireland series. Yeah, because Dublin actually don't even need to win the game. No, they don't need to do anything if we- unless Wexford beat, beat, not draw, beat. Kilkenny in Nolan Park, the Wexford who drew with Westmead last week. Unless they beat Kilkenny in Nolan Park, they're out. Um, they're out. Um, and there's there's only so much optimism I can muster up, to be honest with you. Um, so it, it it's it's highly unlikely. Even though you know recent record against Kilkenny in the championship is is reasonable, but um, they haven't fired at all. Shane, uh, you know, I know you, 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 you do delight in sending me WhatsApps after, you know, disastrous Wexford results, but um, they, they haven't fired. I was saying here last week, you know, they're on Monday. There's this awful kind of habit now of like people on Twitter will start a hashtag Egan out or something stupid like that. And as I said here on Monday, you can't, no manager can prepare for a goalkeeper dropping two balls into the net and his forwards hitting 20 odd whites. So, um, Dar Egan hasn't become a bad like like hasn't lost his promise as a coach or a manager, 
and that Wexford team still has plenty in it. But like a few teams in the championship this year, um, they seem to have been undone by a promising league campaign. <laughs> yeah, well, Mikey, this is it. Like, and <clears throat> it comes back to, and I had the, <clears throat> the, the luxury of sitting beside Davey above in the, above in Danny Brook there for, for a number of hours on Sunday. We were talking about Wexford and that as well. Like, but, you know, we were just saying, I suppose, and you're right, but I think, and it's no disrespect to Westmead because I genuinely, I'm hurling mad, obviously, like you saw, and I love seeing underdogs and teams coming up and, and getting results, but you, you probably shouldn't be putting yourself in that situation anyway, Mikey, being honest. And I know you can't account for two balls we dropped into the goal, uh, but you're, every team hits wide. You look at every game, you know, this weekend there's going to be teams in 15 or 16 wides. That's part of the game. I think Westmead had 11 or 12, you know, so... Um, it's just you shouldn't be putting yourselves in them situations. And I know when we weren't going so well down here in Limerick there, uh, when I was playing before, Jankman or whatever, um, like we were struggling to get over Westmead. And it kind of, it maybe just gave you a sense of reality of where you're really at. Whereas, you know, when we in 2018, and I know we obviously won the Ireland, but I remember we went down to Carlo and the talk among us at the time was, you know, we had struggled to get over the Westmeads of the world in the, in the past year. So let's try to put a stop to this. And we did, and we, we, we won very convincingly. And that told us exactly where we were then as well. So I think it might give you somewhat of a reflection, a reflection of where you're really at. It's not saying that you're a bad team or whatever, but you mightn't be up there when, you, when, you're, when you're only struggling to get over the line against these teams. Yeah. Um, a word then unleashing Westmead, uh, Michael, uh, despite... Westmead's heroics last week. It's still plain old winners. Winner stays up, um, but a draw will do Westmead. Yeah, it's, it, it, exactly. It's it's um it's a huge match, and you'd have to say, <clears throat> like you can't maybe look at the rest of the championship in the context of this game. You, know, you could say Westmead drew with Wexford, but you know there will be nothing between Leash and Westmead. Um, Leash, Westmead, Antrim. You know they're they're be of, of, of the one ill even though Antrim and Joe McDonald, they've been the teams competing. You know, Carlo up and down as well there. So they're in the one bracket. And I suppose it, it, you you would think that Westmead Hurdle has got a huge boost in the last week because, it, you know, it, um, Shane, I take your point, you know, Wexford should be putting that game away with the quality they have on the field. There is no, like Wexford are, are obviously well ahead of where Westmead are at. But at the same time, um, Westmead have been, I think, producing, for, you know, as I said, that Kilkenny game really put in a huge effort for 45, maybe 50 minutes that day as well. And, um, was it, um, it it took a, you know Kilkenny had to spring a few from the bench and you know they had to they had to work hard to get to get them okay they got a big win in the end so you'd have to say fancy Westmead on the basis of what we've seen so far this year yeah they've they've they've, they've been impressive Rory in like and the point was made I think here that the a two week gap suited them they like week on week was tricky for them um so you know there there is that there's perhaps that risk for them that you know they put in an immense performance against wexford and now they have to back it up in like realistically this is the game that counts the wexford game didn't really count this was always going to be that this is their kind of like leinster final you know not to be patronizing about it and that's a very key point you just made actually the two-week gap is something that we should have made reference to in relation to tipperary too because i think that's a big boost for tipperary they love to have had two weeks facing see michael we're talking about leinster and he goes back to munster but i just i just i just think it was an interesting (laughs) point because the two-week gap does like if you have an extra and the extra week's rest from in an amateur perspective from an amateur perspective i think is 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 it is very significant i'm i hope westmead win um, like I've watched the games now it can be difficult on single camera but I've seen I think they've probably applied themselves better to the task of trying to 
get to the standard of Liam McCarthy level than Leash have. Now, I give Leash obviously a mitigating circumstances in and around. He's had a, lots of injuries, lots of withdrawals, lots of lads. I think he's had a, you know, a couple of suspensions as well to deal with. Um, but I think in terms of how they've applied themselves to the task of actually, you know, taking on the better teams, like on some of the results that from from a leash perspective would suggest that, you know, I'm not entirely sure how invested they were in the game. Whereas in fairness to Joe Fortune and Westmead, I think they've actually gone out and had a rattle off every game. And you'd hope for their sake, maybe that, I think, and from maybe the competition's sake, that they would be in a better position to maybe sustain a challenge if they managed to stay up into 23 and beyond. So I think it would be probably better for Hurling, maybe, if they won the game. Mm. I think that's important to note that you're dealing with the cheddar. I don't know cheddar, but it was the same (laughs) in the league, right? Leash were getting walloped by every team, Mm. came to Antrim then and they got the win. That's the same. It's nearly like cheddar times it for two big runs or two big games in the year. You know, the league and the championship. So it's uh, it's just interesting how that plays out. Yeah. Um, and then finally, a word on the Joe McDonough. Michael, obviously, you got skin in the game here. Offley, uh, as it stands, Antrim, uh, mm. four wins from four. They've got eight points. Um, they are at home to Kerry. Uh, Offley at home to Carlo. Um, so avoid defeat, Michael, and you're guaranteed a place in the uh, Joe McDonough final, which obviously has the added bonus of a of a provisional quarter final place as well in the All Ireland series, um, that would be a massive result on its own. I think making the Joe McDonough final would it? I don't think I don't think anybody is putting the putting a a fire under Michael Fenley here, saying that immediate promotion etc. is 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 the be all and end all. It's about continuous kind of improvement, isn't it? And seeing the development. Absolutely, um, like the Offaly senior team is. Extremely young. Shane made a point earlier on, or was it you, Rory? But the, Brendan Cummins saying 20 year olds aren't ready, 21 year olds aren't ready. Offaly have under 20 starting for the same team, and they have a lot of 21 year olds and 22 year olds. And even the 23 year olds, they wouldn't have probably been exposed to the level of SNC at 16, 17, 15, 16, 17 when they weren't exposed to it. So they're only doing it now. I'd say there's some of our minors that are probably strong, as strong as some of our. 20 and 21 year olds and, and probably lifting similar weights to them. So that's the reality of it. So it's a, it's a long road back. Uh, we started talking about the Offaly Miners. We all know where we're at. There's the reality in the county that we've a long way to go. But, you know, even going to Kerry last week, what a game of hurling that was. Um, oh, yeah. I, like, I couldn't enjoy it because I aged about 20 years. Ago, so. <laughs> <laughs> like, like 423 to Three, 228. 228. 228. And, every, and it, it probably, like, I, I'm sure, as everyone said, that, you know, it was just end to end, brilliant, open hurling. And Kerry, no more than you said about Westmead. You're talking about Westmead. Westmead have some great players. Um, Leash have some great players. Kerry have some great All these counties have great players that would, you know, make it if they were in, in most counties, if they were. If, but for but for where you're born, and I suppose uh, just from a confidence point of view for Offaly, um, went up to Antrim, beat a point, weren't good probably against me. Then then came along and went to Ballycran. We three long trips away to Antrim to down to Ballycran and to Kerry. We three overnights and all that. We wouldn't be used to that, you know, traditionally. And only beating a point in Antrim, beat down in Ballycran, beat Kerry to get over the line. Like that's a game over the last number of years we probably would have lost to be honest about it. And but we managed to win it. And gives a bit of confidence, but uh, you know we've had a few injuries, bits and pieces. We have a Ushin Kelly would be our sort of star mm. player who's been out with Crucial all year, and won't be back for another few months. 
So I would see the game on some, on, on Saturday against Carlo. It's very much 50-50. It's at home. Uh, Carlo have had a poor start to the job, but they've improved since um, dramatically. And they have some very good forwards, as we know. Mouse Cabin have been, de- been, been one of them, but there's a number of them. But, you know, you'd be hoping, again, I think it'll be close because, you know, that's the way we play at the minute. Um, we put up scores, we concede scores, and we hope we come out the right side at the end. It's, a, it's, 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 it's probably not the, the greatest formula for guaranteed success, but that's where we are. So I'm hopeful we can win it. And you just mentioned then, like, to, to play in the John McDonough final, it's before the Leinster final, which is a, is a huge boost for our lads if they could get back to Crow Park. They were there for the Christy Ring final last year. All that helps in the development. And then the preliminary quarterfinal, you know, if, if you get that far, that's another day's work, but you're, you're probably then getting into the realms of where we were in Division One at the league this year, you know, which was, which, which we were, we, to be honest, we were out of our depth to go from a Christian ring to Division One of the league is crazy, really. You know, there has yeah. to be more of a tiered league to, to, to give us some chance, but that's for another day's work as well. Look, just delighted that the lads are there competing. And I think they'll, you know, as I mentioned a few rounds, um, they're so young, they're not that far away from these 17s to know them each other well, you know, mm. cast. Um, I like that'll give our seniors a huge boost, believe it or not, you know, that these young lads the other night and and it's kind of vice versa when the lads won in Kerry. I wouldn't have liked to be going in last month losing to Kerry because it puts awfully hurdle on a bit of a downer. So it's all little steps, lads, yeah. as, as you understand, and hopefully build a nice under 20 team next year. You know, we've, we've had a couple of reasonable minor teams over the last two years as well. So hopefully we'll be very competitive over the next couple of years under 20 and within maybe you know, three to, three to four years, we, we could be back with, with a reasonably strong, I think we will be back with, with a strong senior team. So okay. that's where we're going. I wouldn't worry so much about the provisional uh, semi-final, Michael. This isn't league form Wexford, Dublin or Cork you're playing. This is championship form, <laughs> championship form <laughs> Wexford, Cork or Dublin. D- different animal altogether, I think. Well, I, 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 I'm not looking that far forward. But Saturday, I know, I know, I know. I'm only having a bit of fun. Yeah, um, yeah. so look, that's, that's the hurling. Um, We'll be back in a minute. I've uh, sat down with the Wicklow senior football manager, Alan Costello, ahead of this weekend's Talton Cup uh, historic inaugural Talton Cup tie against Watford. So I've been joined now by Alan Costello, the joint manager of the Wicklow senior footballers. How are you doing, Alan? Mikey, how are you doing? Very well, thanks. Good stuff, good stuff. So look, you're, you're, you're making history... This weekend, um, Wicklow have a proud tradition in the uh, forerunners of the Talton Cup. Obviously, winners of the one of the few winners of the Tommy Murphy Cup back uh, in uh, the first decade of the of the century, and um, and now you get to play in the first ever game, and you have you have Watford at home in Ockram. Um, what was your reaction to the draw? I suppose preliminary round isn't really what you want, but no offense to Watford, they're not one of the bigger fish in the draw either. So swings and roundabouts, I suppose. I suppose, Mike, we're delighted to get the home draw, first of all. Um, that was the, the key thing. And I suppose the preliminary round does provide the opportunity for ourselves and DR Waterford to build a bit of momentum as well. Um, certainly with regard to Waterford, we, we played them in a game recently down in Rathville and Carlo. And, you know, it was a very, uh, very tight game, very closely fought game. And um, certainly we, we would be, we would not be taking Waterford for granted or taking them lightly. Um, you know, looking at their their management team there with Evie Fitzgerald, you know, he's been heavily involved with Nemo Rangers over the years, involved with a lot of teams and has vast experience at county at intercounty level. And then you've you know Peter Leahy there as well, who's been involved with a number of teams. So, like I said, they're they're well equipped and well armed there in terms of their coaching and their you know their their management team. So, 
as I said, it's a home venue. That's the pleasing aspect of it. But uh, we certainly won't be underestimating the opposition on Saturday. We'll prepare really well for that game. Yeah, win that one. And if Wexford beat Offaly, you play Wexford in the first round. And uh, I made the remark on the podcast uh, on Monday that it'll be the uh, the uh, now traditional fortnightly meeting of Wexford and Wicklow. Um, I you know the regular regular meet, um competitors at this stage between league and the last couple of championships as well. Um, I, I get the impression that you're not a huge fan of the north-south divide and feel an open draw may have been, may have added a certain something to the competition that perhaps it's lacking. Yeah, I suppose I take an objective look at it and I know that the presence of GA spoke about the logistics of it in terms of crowds attending and I suppose you can see that element of it as well. However, for me, I do feel that you know, an open draw and maybe four groups of four would have been ideal in terms of, you know, the, the, the idea of familiarity breeds con, contempt there. You have a lot of the Ulster teams are pitted against each other once more. And, you know, I think three meaningful games would have been great in terms of developing, you know, as well, especially when you look at the under 20 bracket there, Mikey, that, you know, you want to see these guys get games. And, you know, it, it's an adjustment making that step up from under 20. And I feel that this would be an ideal bridge for a lot of counties you know, to, to get players uh, into that competition and to get the meaningful uh, game time and go from there. Yeah, because some people um, make the argument that the, the, the Chelsea Cup doesn't need a round robin because you'll end up with, with dead rubber games a la the Super 8s. But the counter argument is the Chelsea Cup is almost a development competition. It's a chance to win a, to uh, win a cup and that's never to be sniffed at. But for teams in Division 3 and Division 4, the more games you can play in summer against opponents of your own level or preferably maybe a little bit better that's what that's what counties like Wicklow need more than anything isn't it that's the thing and there's some intriguing clashes there as well and you know look at Westmeath and Leash for example I, I that should be a humdinger and you know uh, that's they're the type of games that people would want to, to go to see and perhaps you know even double headers might be a way to go where people are getting really good bang for their buck as well to, to go and see games maybe at, at neutral venues perhaps that's something that could be looked at next year but i have to say at least you know the jay we're, we're trying something new it's a novel approach and i do believe that a lot of the counties in division three and four would be delighted with this competition and the fact that it's getting a lot of traction now the fact that the games will be televised and that the semi-finals and the finals are are set for for crow park so i think that's that's a really um you know important thing you know the fact that New York as well into the fray at, at the quarterfinal stage as well. I think that's also adds to the the novel you know side of things. And uh, so I, I think that it's a case of nothing ventured, nothing gained. And and I think it's welcomed by a lot of the counties. And hopefully it will get the support and that there will be good atmospheres at these games. And let's see what it throws up. Yeah, you'd have a a, a nice mix in your squad of of youth and experience. There was there any. Was there any effort involved in keeping some of the youth around? Were there were there lads tempted to head off to the states or go do some traveling, or have you managed to keep your squad intact? Um, I suppose the lure of, of the United States is there for every you know young man, uh, especially in terms of college and when they're you know maybe doing their finals and the the draw is there. But I have to say one thing that that I you know I'm aware of now that probably wasn't before in as much as the fact that you know students doing their exams in May. Um, it's a big burden on a lot of players there when there's fixtures penciled in around exam times. And I'm a school principal myself. And but I, I kind of dawned on me there now that perhaps the GA could factor into the equation that you know that those last couple of weeks in May could be left maybe empty because you have so many of these students. You have students that maybe had to move exams or resit exams, or even the fact that an exam is a, a real a mental 
test and a mental drain and then have to get into a, a situation then where you're you're playing a big important inter-county match so perhaps that's something that could could figure into the equation as well in terms of the planning and you know we talk about the looking after players and player welfare but you know their careers and these guys are you know it's really important to them they're ambitious guys and I feel that you know that month of May could be looked at possibly if there's a gap there potentially where these guys can sit their exams without having to you know to, you know have to to train and to prepare for for big games around the same time so that's you're finding college exams are a bigger problem than potential j1 exits yeah it's there i think it's there and and you know i think it's just something with the old format you know where championship kicked in in earnest probably you know you know may may june whereas i think that now you have quite a lot of games taking place you know in the month of may and that's just something I feel that could be considered. But certainly America, look, at it's always been there. It, it said it's a draw. It's a great experience. Guys go over there to play football and, you know, to work and go on J1s. But I have to say we've been quite fortunate that we haven't lost too many players uh, in that regard. But um, it, it does it does still pose a problem for, for a number of uh, county teams out there. Did you lose any then? Uh, we've one or two. Um, one or two, certainly, that we'd like to have. But... You know, like I say, when you, you can't stand in the way of, of players as well. And uh, particularly when, as I said, they've had three, four years in college and they want to go in and, and have that experience. But, you know, I have to say we've got a very committed bunch of players and uh, we're very excited about the Talton Cups. So we're really looking forward to, to giving a good account of ourselves. And uh, we certainly Waterford now we're, we're preparing, um, you know, uh, preparing well for that game. And we hope that uh, it'll, it'll give us a, a bit of momentum if we do manage to get over it and, and build for the, the next game. Yeah, because I suppose everybody who's coming into the Talton Cup is coming in on the back of a defeat. It's the nature of the competition, obviously, like the qualifiers are no different than that. But I suppose different from a lot of the counties in it for yourselves would be that you had like one of the biggest wins in recent championship history, you'd have to say for Wicklow in like a hugely impressive win over Leash. Um, you went you went goal crazy. Um, so you do have you, you have that foundation to build on. But then I suppose the defeat to Meath probably knocked the stuff out of you a little bit. You might, maybe you, you might disagree. Maybe you were traveling more and hoped an expectation against Meath, but then, uh, then the knock-on effect then, as you see in Meath's next game, you see what Dublin did to them and the need for the Talshan Cup, I suppose, is laid bare, isn't it, by kind of the, the, the different levels that we have, even within the province of, of Leinster. I suppose, yeah, when Gary Duffy and I took over, and one of the things we wanted to do is try and get a bit of consistency into our performances. And, um, you know, we beat Longford in the league and that was a, a great boost for all the group, you know. Um, and then we were quite competitive against Louth in that in that game. And then I suppose from there, then we were looking to build towards the, the championship game in Leash. It was a great day. Things clicked very well. You know, some of our forward play was, was, was exceptional. And, you know, some of the, the talent there, you know, we were allowed to, to express themselves and they really went for it. And... I suppose we'd mentioned there that we had played Leash, you know, two games prior to that in the Burn Cup and indeed the, the league. So when Championship came around, we had a fairly good knowledge base of their playing personnel and, and, and their approach and that did stand to us and we were able to prepare well. I do feel that the fact that it was a weak turnaround for the Mead game, you know, did dent our preparations because had we two weeks to prepare for this, I think Colm O'Rourke documented this in the Sunday Independent. And I think it's a very valid argument that really a county like Wicklow, we should have at least the two weeks to prepare for the next game. And I feel, I know Gary and I and, and, and Philly Wolf, if we had a bit more time, you know yourself in terms of your, your video analysis and your you know your preparation and, and your, the teams you want to work on in training, it certainly would have stood to us. And with regard to the Meath game itself, if you take the goals out, would 
you know, I think we were quite, you know, we were, we were quite in the hunt there. And um, we got a sucker punch early on and um, we recovered from that. But then you know, the other goals just came at different times. But we came away from that game, I suppose, we, we were a bit disappointed with the concession of the goals. And we felt that aside of that, we were largely competitive and we kept going to the end. And I feel on another day, if we had a bit more time, I'd like to think that, that the margin would have been a lot closer. Mm. You know? Yeah. Um, for yourself and Gary, it's been a... Um... It's it, it's obviously been I wouldn't call it a baptism of fire, but like it, it was it was unexpected. You were kind of thrown in there when uh, Colin Kelly stepped away. Um, you might just tell, tell us a little bit about that. Like it was a relatively quick turnaround. You kind of had to hit the ground running, and uh, while there was you know relegation from Division Three, you, you must have been. I, I I don't think all those there there was heart to be taken from some of those performances. So I guess you've kind of got your feet under the table now, to use that expression. Yeah, I suppose Gary and I were, were part of the management team and, and I was um I'm manager of the, the Wicklow under twenties as well. So that link was 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 there um already. And I suppose Gary and I have been involved in club football in Wicklow now for, for a number of years, you know, in terms of coaching and playing and we would have a good, I suppose, um handle on the, the talent that's out there. And um that certainly has stood to us. Um, you know, Gary involved with St. Pat's there in Wicklow and I would have been involved with Aero Greystones and Tinny Healy and um development squads and that um, same as Gary so we, that did definitely help us in terms of stepping into the role um, and I suppose then you know combined with Philly Wolf there Phileas from Moorfield an excellent coach Lee Ryan so we just set to work on I suppose putting our own stamp on it and it took a little bit of while uh, to do it we, we, we had the leash game came very quick I suppose and we hadn't much time to bet in in the league but after that as I said we, we began to put our own uh, approach together for it and we looked to kind of stabilise things and I suppose bring a bit of a different energy and different dynamic to it. But um, as we're very much, we're positive guys. We're very much looking forward to the challenge of the Talton Cup. And you know, we decided just to try and maximise the potential of the players and to to, to make it an enjoyable experience. And you know, we're we're getting there. We're learning, I suppose, uh, as we go. But um, there's a lot of combined experience there at the same time. Um, you know, and we, we've played under various different managers, and you're bringing a bit of all that together as well. So that does help in terms of um, you know building an approach for, for our team. Yeah, I'll put you on the spot now. Uh, do, you, do, you, do you see yourselves as kind of caretakers? Is senior inter-county football management something you would have like viewed as something you would like to try down the line? Or is this just a, I'm going to do this, get them through the season, and then I get in the hell out of Dodge? Because I think of Shane Roach down in Wexford, he was landed in it when, when Paul Galvin kind of uh, decided to, to pull out and uh, he stuck with it. And he seems to be quite fond of it and he probably... He's a lot younger than you, I think. So he kind of not a lot younger. I'm not trying to offend you there now. Uh, he's a bit younger than you, um, and he kind of got landed in it, and he seems to be sticking with it. But that's not to say everybody who gets lumped with it for a few months will want to stay on. No, I suppose personally speaking, and I know Gary would probably speak for himself, but personally speaking, it's always been an ambition of mine to, to manage at senior county level. Um, I said I would, I've managed at, at under twenties level, and you know, and I have managed a club, senior club level as well. So it was something that was always in my mind and it happened a little bit sooner than I anticipated. But uh, so I went in as part of a management team as a selector and um, to, to, I suppose to learn and to, you know, to gain other experience and uh, certainly build and expand on that. And except for me, I, I'm certainly enjoying the experience hugely and working with Gary has been great and, and with Philly there as well. And uh, so we, we have a good team around us and, um, so we just take it one game at a time and see. But ultimately, I, I suppose there will be a review at the end of the year and time will tell. And 
I suppose there's all sorts of circumstances, there's family as well, and, and there's work. As I said, I'm a, I'm a mm. secondary school principal, and the job is probably getting busier, uh, if anything, you know, in terms of And the championship season is during the school year now. That's no use to you either, is it? Yeah, that's that's true <laughs> as well. So it's, um, yeah, it's, I, I'm very lucky. I have a great staff here in the school as well, and I have great support structures uh, around me um, here in Hackettstown, in Clarkstone, Hackettstown, and Carlos. So um, I'm very fortunate in that regard. And I said, my, my family, my, my wife, Michelle, and my daughter, Sophie, they're, I suppose it's a, it's a commitment for them as well, and they've made huge sacrifices. And um, you know, thankfully, I have, a, I have a very good family unit there, and um, they allow me to to do this. And as I suppose, I often joke, I don't play golf, so the GA is my golf. That's my uh, my big my big one, my big uh, extra. But um, in terms of the job itself, look, it's a huge honour. It's a huge privilege to manage uh, to manage Wicklow, and um, it's been a, a very good experience, and it's had a huge amount of of knowledge gained from it, and. I've enjoyed working with the, the county board and um, we just see where the Talton Cup takes us. But there's been some highlights, you know, um, beating Longford, beating Leash, certainly been, been high points for Gary and I. And um, as I said, when you're working with the, the best talent available, it's it's a, it's a great experience. So we'll see where it takes us as the under-20s there as well. And um, I suppose that's something that will be a decision that will be reached at the at the end of the, the year. And mm. we'll see where, where things go. But uh, I certainly enjoy Gaelic football and I enjoy working with people and... Uh, you know, I think it's a, it's a great opportunity there with the talent that's coming through in Wicklow. Yeah, because um, there's, there's growth in Kildare, obviously, at the moment. You know, they're in the three Leinster finals, uh, minor, under 20 uh, and senior. Um, you know, Mead and Wicklow will be other kind of seen as the main commuter counties, I suppose. There's been a lot of population growth. You and I both live in Greystones and we can see the population grow, growth with our own eyes. You're a Mayo man. How, how would you like, how, how do you see kind of the Wicklow kind of um club scene stacking up against Mayo I'm not saying it's on the same level but it's very competitive um clubs are it, like they, it, there's a serious love and you know kind of there you can see the, the passion there within the clubs which is obviously the building block for any good inter-county team so uh, what do you think Wicklow needs them because obviously the clubs are there the population growth is there so, so what is it that Wicklow needs to kind of take the step and you know move from being a division four division three team that's a very good question. I suppose me tradition has always been a huge thing in the GA and Mayo in terms of GA. It's a, it's a Gaelic football mad county. And you know, in terms of club level, the standard is very high there. And I feel if you look at uh, any of the successful counties in recent years, you take Tyrone, you know, Kerry, Dublin, the club structures are extremely strong and the standard of, of football there in the leagues and the championship is, is through the roof. And I think that ultimately is, you know, is, is the deciding factor. I remember hearing a great line about Kilkenny Hurling and maybe Ned Quinn or indeed Brian Cody mentioned that he was asked about the talent and the crop that's coming through. And he said, to get this much cream, it takes an awful lot of milk. So in terms of developing, you know, the club scene is, is hugely important. I also think that the, the schools and colleges, I know, you know, um, we'll say down in Connacht there, you have a lot of nurseries for football, St. Jared's Tomb, St. Colbin's Clamaris, old schools, you know, St. Gerald's Castlebar. There's been huge emphasis as well in terms of getting coaches into schools and good people in terms of, you know, on the staff and that as well. I, I know um, Gerlach Mann came in for a bit of stick before, and he on about <laughs> you know, people in primary schools and that. But I think the schools, it's fundamental. Uh, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, Shane Kenny there, selected the 20s, and he was talking about the need for coaches uh, in, in schools and in primary schools. And I, I think that's hugely important that that is, you know, really, really money invested there, that money is invested in coaching as well in terms of development squads, club scene. But... I think for, for Wicklow to progress, and this is will be part of the review again, but the, the standard of football, you know, across the grades 
will, will need to improve. Uh, it's quite competitive in, in terms of senior intermediate and that as well, junior A, but, uh, you know, there's, there's a small player pool. Um, I think that although it's tribal, it's competitive, I think that certainly work needs to be invested into bringing through younger players to increase that quality. And, you know, when you take Wicklow teams in terms of the Leinster competition, you know, you take Bolton Glass, you take Rathew, um, you know, Pat's degree. I think Wicklow teams need to be more competitive in that Leinster club scene, you know, and um, when they come out of Wicklow, they need to be making a probably a bigger impact there uh, on the, the provincial series. But overall, I think it's a numbers game. I think that the lure of rugby and soccer as well in, in Wicklow is, um, you know, is, is taking some of the, the talent, some of the crop from the Gaelic football scene as well. So I think a considerable amount of, of uh, planning is required in terms of schools, as I said, uh, developing squads and, and the club uh, scene as well. And I think that, you know, joint approach. Um, but I would love to see, you know, maybe a, a meeting held with all the, the, the coaches and development squads and in terms of, you know, people, even, even bringing external figures in to have a look at our structures and to see can we develop it further. But I do know that there is a lot of good work taking place at the moment in terms of county board and, and you know, people there like Paul Garrigan in, in, in Wicklow GA there as well, a, a fantastic coach, well-renowned coach as well. Um, I see Darren Hayden there as well, a former club mate, a teammate of mine as well in Wicklow. So there's, there's a lot of good work uh, going in there. Um, Hodge Tool, one of our players as well, has gone into coaching there. And I just think Gary Jemison, another. But we need to really look at developing the schools and being stronger and more competitive in the colleges scene. And also with regard to Sigerson, I'd love to see more Wicklow players represented in Sigerson teams, you know, because for me, it's a fantastic standard. I was fortunate enough to play in Inuit Galway and UCD and Sigerson teams and the, the learning that you get from playing with players from around the country and indeed against teams from all over the country. I think there's a significant amount of development that can take place there, you know, and mm. we'd love to see more players making that grade. And from that, then they'd be feeding into their, you know, their under 20s and their senior panels. Yeah, spoken like a true school principal. Education is key. Uh, <laughs> Paul, or sorry, Alan, thank you very much. And I wish you the best of luck against uh, Watford on Saturday. Thanks very much, Mikey. He hits it, he hits it, it's over the bar! Oh, holy Moses! Okay, that was Alan Costello, the Wicklow Senior Football Manager, Joint Manager. A um, lot of interesting things there to say about the development of football in kind of the weaker counties. It's all about education. Michael, you probably ought to have a chat with him, I think he's, he's, he's some good ideas there. Um, that's it for this week. Um, you can watch two hurling matches simultaneously at four o'clock on RT1 and RT2. Rory's going to be busy. We're cloning Rory now after this podcast because uh, we have to do two matches at the same time. Um, we'll also have coverage of all the matches, Leinster, Munster, Joe McDonough, Charlton Cup and all the rest on RT Radio 1, Saturday and Sunday Sport. And of course on the RT website and the RT News app. So we'll just leave it at that to say thank you to Michael and to Shane and to Rory and to Alan. And uh, we'll catch you all again next week. Thank you very much. by winning the last two matches on the road and that's not going to be taken away from us. But what I love in Hurling, I love players that will never give in. He hits it! He hits it!